Uh, standing here uh, with me today is my brother John, John Nichols. Uh, we probably look a little similar, probably talk a little similar, which you'll see here in a second. Um, it's really hard to know how to introduce your brother, you know? Um, those who've heard me uh, speak before, I've told a few stories, um, some good, not so good, about our wrestling experiences on our trampoline growing up. And so uh, John has been, you know, a huge part of my life since, since I was a little kid. He's my big brother. And so he's always been there for me. And it's just been such an awesome experience to have um, John come all the way from Tennessee um, to speak to our, uh, our youth group families this past weekend and now to get to speak to you all um, here this morning. I'm just so excited to hear what the Lord has put on his heart to share with you today. Um, our topic for the weekend retreat was the idea of home. That's, you've seen some of these t-shirts, people have been wearing some of these t-shirts today. And this idea of, you know, you come home from a long trip, you walk in the front door and you just have that big sense of relief because you know you're finally home, right? And so we want our church community to feel that way. And we want our relationship with the Lord to feel that way, that we know we're finally where we're supposed to be. And so I'm just so excited to hear what John's going to share with us this morning. And as he shares, uh, before he does that, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. God, we just thank you so much um, for today. We thank you for um, the experiences that have brought us to this moment. God, I pray for the words that John will share with us today. I pray, God, that those words will be um, from you and that, God, they will be the words that we need to hear um, right now. Um, God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray all this um, through you. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's a blessing to be with you. I'll be honest with you. I have the opportunity every Sunday uh, to be able to talk to God's people. And so I always enjoy getting to meet more of God's people. Uh, but something has gotten in my head over the last several weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Casey and I went on vacation, and I was in the elevator and uh, was talking with a guy on the elevator as we were riding up to our room, and he said, are you from Tennessee or Arkansas? And I said, I'm from Tennessee. Don't, don't insult me, right? Um, that was a joke. That was a joke. Uh, but then, as I have been in Colorado over the last couple of days, people say, I really like how you talk. Uh, and so, hopefully, you'll be able to cut through the Tennessee uh, this morning. Before we start, I want to ask God to bless our time one more time, and then we'll jump in and we'll study. Let's pray again. God, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful for this church. We're thankful to be able to worship at your throne. Father, thank you for this church and what it means to my family. I'm grateful for the ministry that takes place here. Thank you for empowering men and women through your word and spirit to serve in this community and across the world. God, we pray your blessing on us this morning as we think about that word and what it means to us. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and we pray through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Christ is risen. Jesus saves. Our hope is living. It's the central message of the New Testament. It's the proclamation of the gospel. It's the greatest news. It's something you can pin your life on. It's the foundation for which you can make decisions and perform tasks. It's the warmest blanket on the coldest night. It's the gospel. How often do you preach the gospel to yourself? How often do you remind yourself of a conquering king wrapped in flesh coming to meet us where we are, sacrificing himself to offer us hope that lives? He doesn't leave us alone. (laughs) He never leaves us alone. There is no place he won't go. There is nothing he won't touch. We serve a Savior that doesn't blush. Did you know that? It grows. And it transforms us and changes us. I love the gospel. It's the greatest News. And this is how Peter begins what we call 1 Peter. And this is a text that I've thought about over the last couple of weeks in prepar- preparation to be able to share a couple of messages with your teenagers here at Eastside this weekend. This is also the text that we have before us this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Starting in the first verse, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Some translations in that very first word translate the word therefore. I told the kids this weekend and it got a little bit of a laugh. You got to know what the therefore is there for. Chapter 2 connects back to what we call chapter 1. And Peter builds these three verses on what he's already said. And what Peter has already said ultimately is the gospel. Jesus Christ from imperishable seed offering people something that lives. And it's such good news. And he says because that news is so good, there's two ways that you respond. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, be holy for I am holy. You pursue a character like God's because you're responding to what God has already done. God, you've saved me and you've transformed me into the image of your son. Keep doing it. And as you do this, my life is going to look different. Because you have hope. 
You respond to the gospel of God by loving other people. Peter says in chapter 1, verse 22, love one another deeply from the heart. Hope's not just real for us. Hope's real for everybody that we touch if hope is real for us. Love one another. So when Peter says therefore or so in verse 1 of chapter 2, he builds this response putting away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, he connects that back to the gospel message of Jesus Christ in chapter 1. Now let me ask you a question. What does it mean to crave? When you see that word long in the second verse, the original language uses the word that probably is closest for us to the word crave. When you hear that word, what do you think? When you hear the word long or desire or crave, what mental images start firing off in your mind? Paul uses this exact word when talking about people that stood side by side with him in ministry that he longed for because they had gone to other places. Paul uses the same word to describe his desire that people would know the gospel and therefore know their spiritual gifts. This is yearning. It's longing. It's desiring. Peter says as a response to what God has done through his son Jesus Christ, we long for something. We long for pure spiritual milk. A couple of years ago, I led a trip to the Philippines, and Austin just got back, what, about 10 days ago from the Philippines. Um, we led a trip several years ago uh, with a bunch of college students from Tennessee. Going to the Philippines, uh, some of you may have been there, and if you don't, if you haven't, maybe you know how difficult it is to get to the Philippines. It's 24 hours nonstop Flying. I tell people sometimes you don't get much farther until you start coming home uh, because that's how far the Philippines is. It's tough. You sit in airports and on planes for hours upon hours upon hours. We worked outside for over two weeks in heat and humidity and sun right on the equator. And three days before we came home, I got sicker than I've ever been in my whole life. Bar none. Sicker than I've ever been. I was completely and totally dehydrated. I know that now. Then I thought I was dying. I couldn't stand. I couldn't keep anything down. But I had 15 college kids to keep alive. The time came for us to come home, and I was ready. You ever been there? Just ready 
to go home. I had missed my oldest son's birthday that year to be on this trip. And I wanted to be home. I was craving home. That trip home (laughs) was some of the most miserable hours of my life. I felt awful stress going through all the security at all of the airports that we went in and out of. There was uh, an eight-hour layover in LAX in the worst part of the domestic terminal with no food. That trip from LAX to Tennessee was the longest four hours of my life. It was the red eye. Finally, we landed. We got picked up at the airport by some folks from our church. And after all that flying and all that stress, we finally saw what we had been waiting for, all of us, right off the interstate. McDonald's, right? (laughs) No. We pulled into the parking lot and there was my family. Everyone on that trip experienced a similar emotion, I think. We wanted to be home. We wanted to see our families. It didn't matter how old or young we were. It didn't matter how good or bad we felt when we saw who we were longing for. You know what I'm talking about. The gospel reveals to us where we were and who we were. Paul says in other places in the New Testament that we were dead in our sins. Peter confirms that in the first chapter, but the gospel also shows us not just what we were, but who we are in Jesus Christ. That no matter what version of death we struggled with, that we have been made alive with Jesus Christ. That the hope that we experience is real hope. It's a lasting hope. And so we long for more of it. One of the best ways that the New Testament says that you can have more desire, more craving, more longing. Maybe when I use those words, you think to yourself, I do want the Lord, but I wished I wanted Him more. Have you ever been there? I want you but I want to want you more. If that's the prayer in your heart, if thinking about longing and craving and desiring and yearning the Lord sounds somewhat familiar, but you wish you experienced that more, I want you to know I think the New Testament has a word for you. I know that Peter does. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness leads you to do good? God is good, and his goodness leads you to do good. 
Mark says in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, no one is good but God. James says in chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Jesus himself says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him because he's good? Peter says in these first three verses, taste and see that the Lord is what? Taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. He's good. And the more that you remind yourself of the goodness of God, the more that you will crave His goodness. The more that you preach to yourself the goodness of God, the more that you will crave his goodness. When Peter says to long for and desire spiritual milk, he's talking about something that's good. How has God been good to you? One of my favorite questions to ask my own children is that question. And to hear what a nine-year-old says, or a four-year-old, or a 35-year-old, how has God been good to you? I would argue that the level at which you can answer that question will be a pretty good indication for how much you desire him. To the level that you can say, look at how good God has been to me. He's done this and he's done this and he is doing this and I believe he will do this. You'll crave and you'll desire and you'll long. One of the best exercises that you can go through is to regularly ask yourself the question, how has God been good to me personally? To taste that personal experience over and over again will increase your desire. How has God been good in your family? How has God been good have relationships been restored? Has addiction been broken through? Has the Lord brought someone into your life to disciple or lead and teach? Praise Him for that. Out loud. Praise Him for that. Now here's what's really important to see about the context of this particular passage. That's, that's really easy to miss. I missed it for a long time. And it wasn't until somebody way smarter than me pointed this out. No part of the New Testament was written to an individual. Did you know that? Everything we read in the New Testament would have been read and interpreted communally. 
Can you imagine what the church would look like if enough of us across the globe said, how can we taste and see that the Lord is good together? Typically, when we interpret the New Testament, when we interpret passages like this, what do we do? We ask ourselves, how can we interpret this ourselves? What does this mean to us? But Peter isn't just writing to an individual. Peter's writing to a group, to a collective, to churches across the globe, to us. What would it look like? for us to taste and see that the Lord is good together. What would it look like to respond to the Lord in holiness together or in love for one another together? That's just the first chapter and a half. If the church seeks holiness and love As a collective, how does that change the trajectory of our personal relationships? I want to leave you with two really quick things this morning. And the first one is this. I think when we seek home the way that Peter would have us seek home, I think when we desire the Lord the way that Peter would have us desire the Lord, it helps us see ourselves the way that God sees us. How do you see yourself? One of the greatest, most rewarding experiences of my life was spent working side by side for several years with a licensed professional counselor at a church. I'll never forget sitting across the table from him one morning at breakfast and him talking about the identity that all of us try to project to the world. Maybe you were the smartest kid in school. Maybe you want to run the best business in town. Maybe you're the funny one. What identity do you want to project to the world? I had a plan. I don't know about you, but I had a plan my whole life until that plan fell apart and changed. And what happens occasionally with the identities that we want for ourselves when things come crashing down, not only do we find disappointment in ourselves, but we believe God himself is disappointed with us because we didn't live up to the standard that we have for ourselves. Does that sound familiar? Peter says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Did you know that there's not any thing that you could do more that would make God love you more. There's nothing more you could do that would make God love you more. Because the message of Jesus teaches us that when we had nothing to offer, God offered everything. 
When we were at our worst, Christ gave everything. There's nothing more you could do that would make God love you more. Let yourself off the hook. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, it reminds us that He is good. That even the things we wanted for ourselves pale in comparison to His goodness and His love. And when I see myself the way that God sees me, I want him more because I don't see myself through the filter of my own disappointment and discouragement. I see myself the way he sees me, which is a member of the holy priesthood. The royal nation. A person set apart and sanctified to sacrifice to his name, to bring others to him. See yourself the way God sees you. And then you'll see other people that way too. When we see ourselves the way that God sees us as loved and chosen and accepted, we see other people the same way. When we don't see ourselves the way that God intended It starts to be the filter through which we see other people. When we taste and see that God is good. When we remember that everything that matters is built on His goodness, on what He has already done, we'll see ourselves the way He wants us to. And therefore, we will do reconciliation that he wants us to do with other people because we will see them the way he sees them. This can be a messy process. Craving and longing. This can be a difficult trajectory to live, but I promise you this, it's the best way. It's the right way. What do you need from the Lord? Do you need His goodness this morning? Do you need to be reminded of how good He is? You are in the right place. There are shepherds here who are ready to pray with you and for you. If you're ready to meet Jesus for the first time, to experience what He has purchased and paid and planned and given, you're in the right place. Let one of your shepherds know how they can serve you, how this church can serve you. Let the Lord know that you need his goodness. While together we sing this song. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.